Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity. I'm Ryan Becker, and uh, I feel like at this point, if you don't know what we do, I don't know how to help you, because we're like 84 episodes in now. Yeah. But if you're new here... Uh, welcome. Then welcome, we're because glad you're here. Uh, what, what we're about is basically exploring all things that are absurd within culture, uh, society, and religion. Anything that we find absurd, uh, we talk about. And if Open you, up a space. If you happen to resonate with that, then uh, we hope that you, you, are, you find good company here. I'm so, willing to bet we're going to get two new listeners for this particular episode. Just two. Just two. At least two. A minimum At least of two. two. Three. Four. Maybe. Five. Our guest is is signaling to us that it's going to be 156 More. people. At least. I will be severely disappointed. <laughs> I'll break something. I'm guessing. I'm going for 156. On the dot. She That's, was very specific with her hand motions. Yeah. Uh, Ev, thank you so much for coming on with that wonderful introduction. I'm so glad you're here. That was your cue. Yay. <laughs> Hello. So um, I'm really excited about today's episode because our guest is someone uh, that I've known for several years because when I was a senior in high school, mm -hmm. she was a freshman mm -hmm. and then I came back and taught at my old high school mm -hmm. and like was a chaplain and then she was a senior yeah. and uh, it's been really, we haven't talked since then. This is literally the first time we've been in the same room together in four years, basically four and a half years um, and she's just now realizing it's been that long. So I think it's more because I was I'm a fifth year senior. Oh, well, there you go. So five years. Um, we didn't get into this job for math. No, we didn't. No, we did <laughs> not. not. Um, I know it's amazing that I can count to 84 times time um, and half a time. I, when you said 156, I'm like, wow, he actually can count. I don't oh, no, think I you can count that number. high. I, I think you just memorized everything it's before. Like, it's like the episode of New Girl where Jake's like, I don't actually think I'm literate. I think I just memorized a lot of words and fake it. Like <laughs> that's I don't think I'm math literate. I think I just memorized like, I don't know, the one comes after the thing. I don't know. Like I I don't think I understand math. 
I know that you don't understand math. Shut up. Um, but no, I've known Ev for several years, but we haven't talked in all that time. Mm-hmm. So really all I've seen is kind of your journey take place over like Instagram. Yes. That's basically <laughs> the, the, and watching, watching our circles mm-hmm. overlap as you've connected with people that are in my friend's circle, um, like Garrison Hayes and who's oh! been on this podcast. Yes. And, um, so it's really kind of cool. Chris Whitaker, um, like, See, so she's, yeah, so this is, it's really kind of cool to see that happen mm-hmm. and it's seeing how you've kind of really just come out of your shell and, and yeah. matured so much since then, it's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to come on here because what I, the other thing that I've seen on your journey is um, you become a lot more outspoken about things that I think really matter. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to, and a platform to be able to share those things and, and talk about those things. Mm-hmm. So I'm, so thank you for being here, first of all, mm-hmm. um, and for, uh, for being willing to, uh, to do this, but um, let's start here. Tell us about yourself. Tell us anything that you would want someone to know before they listen to you talk about things that matter. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Like, how, help us know Ev. Um, Ev is awesome. Ew. Perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's the soundbite. Uh, okay. Anyway. Um, okay. What are you studying? No, thank you. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am a fifth year senior. At Andrews University, I'm studying social work with a minor in leadership. Um, I'm really passionate about issues of injustice, specifically surrounding um, the black community, the Latinx community, um, women more recently. Um, those are my like three main areas. I'm also very passionate about issues in the LGBTQIA plus community, um, First Nations, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hard for people in a macro sense. Yeah, no, no, that totally makes yeah. sense. Now, um, for visual reference, since mm-hmm. this is everyone's listening to this like audio, mm-hmm. help like give us your et- ethnicity, background, heritage. Okay, so I am Afro Latina, which means I am a Black Hispanic of some sorts. So there's different type of yeah. types of Afro Latinos. Um, so I'm the type that was born in the United States. My mother's Puerto Rican. My father's Costa Rican. Um, my mother is okay. So in his in in Hispanicism, that's not a word, but in <laughs> within Hispanic, it is now. Yeah, <laughs> it is now. Within Hispanics, there's no like Hispanic is not a race. So you're either black, white, or indigenous. If we're really looking at it, technically, Mestizo, Indio, right, mm-hmm. yeah. Africano, see. Si. I see. So my dad is black, and then my mom would be considered more white, mixed with a little bit of indigenous. But, yeah. So I'm black and white, but in a Hispanic sense. Gotcha. That's fine. I'm white and Spanish in the white sense, um, (laughs) in that I am half Cuban, and no one ever believes me when I say it. And I've talked about this before, but people people are like, oh, you're Cuban? Oh, do you speak Spanish? And I'm like, no. And they're like... Oh, you're not really Cuban then. That's so offensive and annoying to me. I hate that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for affirming me in my my outrage over that. I accept you. I was like, you can't just deny half of who I am based off of a behavior. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not how that works. Like, sorry. That doesn't change the fact that my mom was born in Havana. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't change any of that. Sorry. Like, it doesn't work like that. But... So thank you for that. All right. Yeah. Well, everyone, that was a wrap. Uh, it's been great. That's all I needed. That's uh, really it. We're actually shutting down the whole it's podcast now. We just that needed was it. a That's third party end. to affirm Ryan's 86. experience. Boom. And we're done. No. So 
Um, okay, so that helps give us some context for for a lot of the conversation we're about to have for sure. Um, but let's let's start here because I mm-hmm. think not necessarily that the person you are has changed, but yeah. just you've grown a lot. You've got you've come so far. Yeah. So take us on the journey um, from high school you to you okay. now. What right. what is that? How did that happen? So high school for me was rough. Thank you. I mean, you, you had Come me on. as one of your staff Come members. On, so that's now. totally fair. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. So, okay. So I came in as a new girl um, because understanding, I guess, majority of Adventist schools, you you have like the mini version of the high school. So for us, yeah. it was Fleece and then Forsyth Academy. You also had like OJA and other schools around there where people kind of like knew each other. But I came from Barrier Springs. So I knew absolutely nobody. So I came in as a new girl. It was a little bit like, you're popular-ish. You know, everyone's like, new girl, we love you. Um, And then things started to shift. um, And by my sophomore year, I didn't feel like I had friends at all. Wow. Um, So then my junior year, well, first of all, in high school, I didn't know I was black. So that's actually really funny. Because everyone's like, oh, you're Hispanic. No, no, no. Sorry. Recap. <laughs> I'm like, I'm Hispanic. Everyone's like, wow, you speak Spanish. I didn't know black people could speak Spanish. Oh, uh, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. So there was that. That was the first time I have I, I ever had to, like, really confront the fact that, oh, there's more to me that I don't understand, that my parents never really talked to me about or never taught me. Um, and then um, by junior year, my junior year was the first time I started to embrace the fact that I was black and I started to do natural hair and all of those things. Um, and that was the first time someone from another Adventist school had a crush on me that I knew of because, you know, the, my brown skin was like nice and toasted and I had glistening eyes or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> And that had a really huge impact on me. I tell that story. She's so different, Brad. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> but that had a really huge impact on me. Like, I have, I printed the messages that we had between each other. Wow. Um, because that was, like, the first time I felt like ever, anyone ever saw me as beautiful with who I was. Um Because even as a kid, I hated my father because he was black. And I hated the fact that I was... Um, I, I was browner than most, but then my cousins and that I had curly hair and I didn't have straight hair and my grandmother would not let me use the same brush as them. Um, so that was a journey there. And then with the fact that I didn't have a lot of friends, maybe like one, two or three, by my senior year, my only friends were the receptionist, the Bible teacher and one person in my class. Wow. Um, so then by that time, I just started to not care, I guess, about other people. There was actually one time when we were in chapel and um, someone was speaking and I said amen out loud like they normally do in black churches. And literally a black person stood up, turned around and told me to shut up. And I was like, okay, I was really embarrassed. Um, But that was like the beginning of a new journey of, okay, I can't be concerned with... um, what other people think of me because I still have no friends. <laughs> so, F it. I'm just going to do me. So, that's kind of the beginning of my journey. I also grew up in a really conservative 
home with my dad being a pastor, um, I actually wasn't allowed to go to a lot of the events. I think that also contributed to why I didn't have (laughs) a lot of friends. So um, even with the overnight church, was it? Or the one that's... underground church. Underground church. I couldn't go to that. I couldn't go to Forest Lake Church when there were like programs. I had to go to the... my church. Um, so that was really hard for me. So once I got to college, sis was doing everything. Um, <laughs> so Yeah, so you're free. Like, mm-hmm. your life is yours when you're away from home. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing yeah. how often that happens. Like, I was yeah. uh, talking to a lot of... I, I worked with in recruiting um, in the enrollment department when I was at Southern, and I just remember talking to some of the freshmen I had recruited the first year I was there, mm-hmm. and they just kind of came in with, like, this glassy-eyed look of just, like, Hey, like no sleep and all this craziness, yeah. and I was like freedom. And they're just like yeah, yeah, and and it's just amazing. Like I'm not, I, I don't know if it's a problem per se, but it's like so many times because we don't really explain to mm-hmm. kids like why we're doing certain things, and we just say don't do it. Yeah, all of a sudden they get out and they're just like I'm gonna try everything, yeah. and then it's just like oh that's bad. Like you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to vaccinate every single thing at the same time. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, mm. it was kind of a problem because uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to study. But I have all of these things that I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So take us through. So, yeah. So take us through college. OK, yeah. So for like one year of my life, I was a huge extrovert. Like I was talking to everyone, trying to be involved in everything. Um, and then I started going through more grown people experiences. So I started Um, having maybe like an issue with a friend or whatever things maybe you know like you go through experiences and you learn and you know the best friend that I had since seventh grade is no longer my best friend and Mm. my roommate and I are having issues and I'm learning how to do conflict resolution and I'm learning to let go of relationships that aren't healthy for me maybe at the time being maybe we'll be friends later maybe we won't but I'm learning all of these things along the way. And as I am learning these things, I'm like, you know what? I'm an introvert. <laughs> I'm just going to stay in my room <laughs> and be happy. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah, I'm not like all the way there. Um, but I do value alone time a lot. Yes. Oh, as yeah, do it's, I. It's yeah. easy to yeah. get burned out. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So then uh, as far as the, the, the three things that you, that you mentioned that you were passionate about. Mm-hmm. So how did... How did those become the, mm-hmm. like, the forefront of, like, it, for lack of a better term, platform for you? Like, yeah. how did how did those become the things that Ev is, mm-hmm. I'm all about these three things, and these are the big ones that I want to talk about and are focused mm-hmm. on? So, uh, they all entail my identity. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, so, I started off more so, so with, in terms of um, being passionate about issues in the black community, I started to surround for the first time surrounded by people who knew about black history and black culture so when i came i was like my friend used to tease me um back in florida she's like you're an oreo you're like black on the outside white on the inside um but i'm understanding that to be like i did not understand anything about what it meant to know who i was as a black person and what that means in in this global constant concept not to say that there's one specific way to be black and there's one specific way to be white I don't believe that um but for me that was a part that was lacking in my life I didn't know how to embrace the fact that I was black Mm. so then I started that journey of like watching documentaries reading books talking to people trying to understand like 
what is black to you and how does that what does that mean for me and how will I interpret that for myself and my own journey and then when it comes to issues in the Latinx community um, I'm more specifically passionate about issues of immigration because I have a family member who is undocumented and it's really hard on our family to navigate that whole experience like my mom is the only one bringing in real income and there's mm. four of us and it's not a lie. It's like, it's definitely less than 50,000 a year. Um, and so my brother and I are in college um, and then we're trying to find work and, you know, try to be helpful, but it's really hard because it's like, you're trying to balance taking care of your family with wanting to be a regular college student. And that is so hard for people who, tend to be, you know, <laughs> poor. Yeah. Um because it's like there's so much pressure to take care of your family. So I've noticed that in my own experience and I actually have a really hard time with that. I don't know how to balance being there for my family and experiencing college because I also didn't have that experience in high school. So I crave that. And so uh, this is probably not good, but what I've, what's happened is, like, I kind of, like, shut down when I go home, you know, and I have to go to therapy and figure out, you know, how to navigate that. But that's, you know, that's the experience that I'm having as someone who has to deal firsthand with um, the effects of the immigration system. I think that that's such a relevant experience for so many people going back home, though. I know for me, I did that for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's weird. I don't know if you guys – experience that at all but like i find i regress when i go back home like all of a sudden things that haven't made me mad in years in mm-hmm. real adult life yeah i'll go back and all of a sudden it's just like Wah! and i'm like why do i want to fight mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. this person who happens to be related to me yeah like i like i would never want to fight a, a co-worker or a colleague or even just a stranger who bumps me you know in starbucks and is like rude to me like i have such a like, my gut reaction, my knee-jerk reaction in that moment is to be like, how can I minister to them? They're clearly going through something. And I'll go back home, and I'm just like, screw all of you people. Yeah, like, yeah. it's so weird how you get it because it's like, but that's how I was in high school. I was very angsty. Yeah. And um, it's a weird thing. It really is. It's like, how do I stop progressing? So, yeah, for me, I find that I had to, I had to go to therapy for that. And I think we've talked about this um, <laughs> on my podcast. And, um on your podcast. Sorry, on our podcast. Have we, have we talked about it on no, your no, no, podcast? The, the, the episode, the episode, it was a uh, Patreon, that's why. Oh, I think we talked yeah, about, so like, talk the about Patreon. your Patreon interview. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. fair, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's, hey, it's our, it's our podcast. It's, 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 it's ours. It's anyway. Um, but yeah, like, I think that's one of the big things that we really talk about is like, or we don't talk about is like, man, you know, it really is hard not becoming that person because you can so easily discover who you are away from home. But sometimes you yeah. come back home and it's like, you kind of just have to yeah. shut it down a little bit. Yeah. And I've sad to say like the ugliest parts of me come out and I'm like, F, what is happening? You're this terrible person. What's going on? Um, and so I'm trying to figure out what it is um, mm-hmm. that's, that's going on inside of yeah. me and what this tension is that I'm having with my own family. No, it's, it's, I, I think you've said a lot Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, I think you've said a lot that a, a lot of different people can relate to. I mm-hmm. think even the fact that you were called an Oreo, like to me, I think I've even called some of my friends that before and I'm, and mm-hmm. I'd never thought about it until you said it now, but I'm like, man, that is so offensive to just like kind of whitewash the way someone behaves, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
no, you're black all the way through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's just because you have tendencies or you have behaviors that are that similar to what yeah. Joe over there does. Does <laughs> like that just that's yeah. ridiculous to be like you're black all the way through. And mm-hmm. and, and I think um the other thing that I found interesting about what you said was um, the idea of you had to learn of your own mm-hmm. of your own identity through surrounding yourself with people, right? Like you had yeah. to learn about your own um, your own identity that way. And we have so many people that write off surrounding themselves with people to learn about outside of themselves. Yeah. And here you are, someone in that community saying, "No, even for me to learn my own community, yeah. I had to surround myself with people." Yeah. Um, and so I think it really speaks to the value of putting yourself in relationship with people that are not like you. Yeah. Um. And also putting yourself in relationship with people who are like you, because maybe that can help you learn more about who you are. So I think that's super valid. But And as far as the family thing is concerned, man, I, I don't, I think for me, I don't attack my, like, I don't want to attack my family, but I shut down and become cold mm-hmm. when it, when there's tension in the family. Like, yeah. I, I just realize like, I'm very distant. The walls go up. I yes. don't get emotional. Um, I can think of several times where a family member has had some significant outburst and throughout the entire argument, like I'm the calm one. And it's mm-hmm. not because um, I'm just naturally calm or they didn't rile me up. It's because my wall has gone up and I won't get emotional, period. Like yeah. I just can't even force myself to. Um, and it's weird trying to figure, like it feels like I'm a totally different person mm-hmm. in that scenario mm-hmm. than like here. And I feel bad because then I feel like my family's missing out on the fun side of me yeah. instead of, it, it feels very strange. Like it almost feels two-faced and I don't, and I haven't even figured out how to like navigate that or what that all means. Like yes. it just kind of is what it is for the time being mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but no, thank you for, for sharing a lot of that journey. Like that's, yeah. um, that's super important. So, um, let's, um, so y- we've talked about the big three and I think those are, well, we didn't talk about the last one. Okay. So what's the last one? <laughs> hit, hit us with the Women. Last one. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I'll power through this. Wait, you're a woman. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, <laughs> kidding, kidding. You don't have to. Kidding. You know what's Tony, crazy? That is hands down the most <laughs> offensive thing you have said on this podcast. I actually didn't catch it, so what's That's, I <laughs> love it. This is okay. So for for context, we're actually all in the same room for the first yeah. time in forever. Yeah. Um, it takes forever. Yeah. So Tony is literally looking at her when he says, "That's why in my head immediately I was like, hi, this will be funny.'" And then I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. They can't see that we're in the same room. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> this is they don't understand why it's funny. They just no. think that I, I thought I was talking to a high pitched." Dude, this whole time. So oh, I'm man. screaming. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Oh my word. Okay, you don't, but you don't need to power through it. Like we got time. Oh, yeah. okay. Go for it. Yeah, you're good. Okay, so as a kid, I hated being a girl. I thought you were gonna say, as a kid, I was a girl. Oh, um, and I. Oh no, and I still am. Yeah, no, I hated being a girl because I saw. I was able to discern, I guess, quote unquote, the male privileges that there were, I, although I didn't know it at the time. Um, it especially when I was super athletic, loved sports. Like whenever I would play, want to play sports, um, the boys didn't want to let me play. But I would be like, no, you're going to let me play anyway. Um, and so as I even in high school, when I would like play basketball outside in the court with the boys or whatever, they'd underestimate me. They wouldn't pass me the ball. So I'm like, all right, <clears throat> y'all playing games. <laughs> so when I get this ball, guess who's getting dunked on? OK, so maybe I didn't dunk, but I made sure to make every one of my shots or at least, you know, you put up you a fight. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. So several times I stole the ball and they're like, and I'm like, yeah. 
boy. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, we were just going easy on you. Yeah, I don't need that. Anyway, and it got to the point where I I hated playing with girls. So now I have this self-hatred of my own self. Um, I don't want to necessarily interact with women because I have this view of women like, oh, women suck, da-da-da-da. Sis, you're a woman. Um, So it wasn't until... I started to, again, embrace the fact that I was a woman, surround myself with powerful black women that I'm like, oh, this is great. This is amazing. Like, they're calling me queen. I'm calling them queen. It's great. And then I start experiencing these microaggressions. Or no, no, I start being able to identify these microaggressions. And I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) This is not cute. (laughs) This is actually annoying as hell. Um... And so recently, like my friend and I have been, especially on the tip, like burn the patriarchy. I hate men. I don't hate men. I I like men a lot. But, (laughs) you know, I hate men. Um, And just, yeah. And it's what's so what's really amusing to me or what's most frustrating, I think, is whatever it's happening is men who advocate for women and advocate for women's rights but don't see the connection in relationship and how mm. you're treating a woman and how yeah. you're playing games with her emotions and then you drop her like whatever and you're like yeah i support women liar yeah mm. you're gonna well, burn it's, 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 it doesn't match up right like <laughs> no, you can say doesn't. whatever you want but then if you you know yeah. i mean it's it's kind of that thing like with, with jefferson like he advocated for all these rights mm-hmm. and then he had slaves it's like, well, yeah, he had some really good ideas, but there's that dissidence of like, if you were felt so strongly, mm-hmm. were able to write, you know, these words and and pull from these different things to write something like the Declaration of Independence, yeah, but didn't even recognize that or w- wasn't willing to take the stand for that. Like, there's mm-hmm. that dissidence of, how can you? So you really weren't, yeah, you know, you really weren't. Um, so yeah, it is with like some guys. I feel the same way. Like, th- there's mm-hmm. some guys that I grew up with that were very like, oh yeah. But then when it actually came time to give power or opportunity to girls and and women, females Mm -hmm. in their life, they wouldn't do that. And so for me, I even recognize that. And I'm like, dude, like, then then let her run the club if Mm -hmm. you think it's so important. Well, and I think, too, there's a distinction to be made because there's a difference between a guy who just, like, bumbled through a relationship and just screwed up. Like, he's just dumb, right? Me, I've done that. Tony's done that. Um, I, I have I, never I, done that uh, for the <laughs> record. Um, I'm on the tape. Thank you. I would like I to read back. I have it. never, <laughs> ever. This is hearsay. <laughs> um, and then there's there's a difference between that, right? An honest mistake where someone is so close to the fire they don't realize the inconsistency mm-hmm. of their action. Yeah. And then there's then there are those who consistently do it over the course of their life or throughout several relationships, and you're like, okay, mm. yeah, you're just being a hypocrite at this point. Like, yeah. Um, there, there. I, I think there is room for honest mistakes there. Yeah. But, and and the reason I bring up that distinction is I know there are a lot of guys right now that are out there feeling like, oh, I, you know, this is just another man hating thing, or you know, oh, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just getting attacked again because I'm a man. It's like, yeah. no, like you're not the person we're attacking yeah. unless you do those things. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's it, it's not something that every single person needs to take personally, but it is something that every person needs to personally watch out for. Yeah. So yeah. that's I th- thank you for bringing that yeah. up. Well, I, think, I, th- I think the other thing, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you know, let this, the woman talk, Tony. <laughs> because I. D- <laughs> <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. No, I, I just for me, I've always noticed that sometimes it's not it, 
the guys who take time out to be cognizant and self-aware yeah. are usually the guys who are able to either A, avoid it or change. Yeah. But it's the ones who, who claim who like want to back a fad or, or like, oh, yeah, I'm behind this. Yeah. But Trendy. then don't take the time to be aware of their own actions mm-hmm. or to listen to criticism. Those are the ones that I find are the ones that often are most like, dude, like you can't you can't have yeah. those two things like you have to recognize yeah. or at least try to. Yeah. The the only challenge that I'm going to present is Hmm. You can challenge us, hundred percent. Yeah, it's educate us. I'm being. We'll, 100% we'll edit this serious. whole edge section out. <laughs> so it's not. <laughs> so for me, like in, in in the relationships that I have had, these men have not been intentionally trying to be hypocrites. It's like you're unaware of what you're doing. I come to you and I talk to you, and you still like don't get it. So if we want to compare it, maybe it's similar to white privilege. It's like you you don't get it. It's like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I think the difference that you just pointed out, though, is that you confronted them about it, mm-hmm. and yeah. they still denied it. Yeah, I'm talking about someone like the the example mm-hmm. I brought up is someone who like consistently mm-hmm. just consistently or, or does it and like just mm-hmm. is totally blind to it, and no yeah. one has ever called them out on it because they're idiot guys, yeah. whatever. But like you confront someone about yeah. it, you try to educate them, and then mm-hmm. they walk away. I'm like, cool. That's on. That's a hundred percent on them. Yeah, then. I can vibe with that. Does that make sense? Is yeah. That, is that yeah. Some, but you're right yeah. in that it is like white privilege. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where you don't, you don't, you're not always aware of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really, I know that I have felt like it's really important for men to communicate this to their men because, yeah. like, I can tell you till I'm blue in the face, you're still going to take it uh, as, like, oh, you're attacking, you know, me as a man. Um, and I've noticed that when men have communicated this to other men, it seems to be more effective, even though I said the same thing, whatever. <laughs> I think, I think the other thing, I think, yeah, like, I think the other thing is just guys somehow can communicate on a level with words that even though it's the same thing, uh-huh. like, is it the grunts? It's the grunt. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Like there's a deep seated, like, yeah, there's a deep seated kind of like primal, like, dude, like I, I joked, you know, in high school, like we could have a whole conversation just with the word dude, just like, dude, dude, dude. And it's like, yeah, we're going to get Taco Bell. Did you not catch that? Like, <laughs> It was obvious. He said, dude, that's, <laughs> that's the what let's doing. go get Taco Bell, dude. Um, and I think that there is something mm-hmm. to that. I think the other thing I found a lot of times is that we guys sometimes, and I think it's both genders, like both, mm-hmm. both sexes will do this sometimes. We won't consider it to be an actual problem unless another guy is like, no, I can verify. Yeah. Because we're like, oh, well, you know, we kind of, they're seeing it from their perspective. But if another dude comes up, it's like, no, you need to stop wearing, like, red shirts in public because mm-hmm. it's offensive or whatever. Like, yeah. it's more like, oh, okay, this is this is someone that is seeing it from my side. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I, it's one of those ones that it's, guys just get it across. Like, we can dude each other and just, dude. 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 He just told me I look good. Got it. Uh, actually, I don't got it, but I'm going to say okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's how it works. No. Okay, so continue. I'm sorry. We interrupted you. Oh, no. That was... That was it. That was... Yeah, that's kind of it. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question now. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to connect this to faith. I want to ask, like, I don't know if you actually, like, fully identify as Seventh-day Advent. Like, I don't know where you are in the faith spectrum. Mm-hmm. This is literally, like, this is the first time we've been in a room together yeah. since high school. So, yeah. Um, I'm not trying to like out you as a non SDA if you are Antoine. <laughs> like if that's just not where you identify right now. But I think what Confess I want to ask is like, how do these? Uh-huh. Th- how how have the how is this all yeah. 
interacted or intersected with your faith? Like, yes. where, how has that impacted your faith and not just your faith in God, but also mm-hmm. like your belonging in a church community? Like, yes. How is that all? Because that's definitely impact. Like, there's no mm-hmm. way it doesn't. This is facts. Um, so once I started to embrace my own identity, that's when I started to have conflict within Adventism. Um, and so I, at one point in my life, I was like, and I even like had an outburst with my dad cause I was so angry at like whatever the situation was. And it was because I was being confined, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> I told him like, I hate Adventism. I hate being an Adventist. I never want to be an Adventist kind of thing. Um, that's not where I am now. I I care about it enough where I want to create change in it. So I don't feel like I am called to leave the church. Mm. Um, although I do find myself in conflict a lot. But I do feel like there are other people like myself who find themselves in a difficult position. And it's because of those people that I want to stay. And that I want to ex. I guess eventually minister, although I, I, I shiver at that. <laughs> um, well, there are different ways to do it. So yeah. it's just a, the word itself is, uh, yeah. I, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, that I want to minister to and ha- let them have like a wonderful experience in in Adventism. I don't believe that we're the like remnant kind of thing. Like I do, I feel like that's people. I don't feel like that's a denomination, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's bigger than just a denomination. Yes. It's, yeah. I, I'm with you, and I agree yes. with you there. I think great. I think Adventist. You're you are safe. I promise. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm reporting to the GC, uh, but Becker okay. is totally cool with that. I think I think what you just said resonates uh-huh. with almost every single listener of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll be 100 percent honest. Like mm-hmm. that's that's. Um, I have always felt called to minister to people. Uh, the, the the term used to be de-churched, but basically those who are on the outskirts of faith, mm-hmm. who who have a lot of conflict with it and have a have a hard time staying yeah and, and there are some days you wake up and you're like i just kind of want to be done here yeah um i don't i don't i think i'm out um and then other days you're like no i'm in i want i want to change i want to make yeah. everything better and we're going to work at this and mm-hmm. like and that and you're living in that tension constantly exactly um well and and so i think i think that's that's absolutely super valid and i agree with you i think the remnant is a people and mm-hmm. i think adventists there are adventists who will be a part of it yeah um, the same way there are people from all over that will be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I think I, the minute you say like it's a particular denomination, I think not only is it limiting, but it also means that anyone who claims to be a Seventh-day Adventist, regardless of whether they follow through facts. with that, all of a sudden now gets to be, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I know personally several Seventh-day Adventists that aren't really Christian. Yep. Like in the sense that they don't really follow what Jesus does or teaches and they don't live lives that, are Christ followers. And I'm like, so Facts. you're part of the remnant. I mean, he means I appreciate. Yeah. Like <laughs> yes. I appreciate the fact that you like this culture. I think it's a great culture. And I think it's a great lifestyle, but you're not living a transformed life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're not letting Jesus really come well, and one of the, and that, change you. That's a good point because one of the things that I've really come to realize recently is mm-hmm. I used to say like, I hate Adventist culture. I used to say that a lot. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized is like, that's dumb. N- not to hate it. Like yeah. for me, I'm, I'm saying for me specifically, like, it's dumb for me to say because if I'm Adventist, then whatever culture I'm, a, whatever subculture of Adventism, like I'm participating in Adventist yeah. culture yeah. by being an Adventist. Mm-hmm. So for me to say I hate Adventist culture, really what I'm saying is I just hate that particular brand of Adventism. Yeah. And that's no different than writing off people for any other ideological mm-hmm. difference. And, there, and, there, and there's a group it's, of people pointing at you saying, oh, I hate, you know, that form that, of Adventism. Form, but yeah. do you hate haystacks, though? No. 
Uh, depends. What do you Why? what do you believe is the base of haystacks? Is it Fritos? Yeah, hold on, or hold is on. It, what what is your base for haystacks? This Fritos. Is okay, that is the correct answer. Yes, it's the technically Thank correct you. answer, but my answer will always be chili cheese. Doritos. Interesting. Okay, give but Doritos—that's that's the bougie give me cool version. Ranch or nacho cheese Doritos the, any day. That's you the, lay them down on the plate, you on put a napkin friends. over, and you crush yes. them. Yes, and you crush them, and then you pile on your haystack. My yes. dad taught me that, Beans. and now you can't disagree. Now you can't challenge that, Tony, because my dad taught me that. Yes, um, I agree. Uh, the, so that is um, <laughs> okay. We're good. We're safe. So <laughs> pulling okay, out the so, ace yeah, card. You, you really do feel like you're you're. Um, like you're called to be here and you mm-hmm. want to make a difference. And so what are what are some of the avenues that you've taken really to, to try and do that? Like what are some of the things that you're doing now in mm-hmm. your life to express those things and express mm-hmm. that desire for change? Um, so I last year in October, um, I did a really cool poem, I think. Um, it's called End Eurocentric Adventism. It's on YouTube and my Facebook and my Instagram. Okay, text me, text me the YouTube link later. Or okay. Send it to me so okay. that I can throw it in the show notes. Yeah, okay, cool. It's uh, a little spicy. Uh, Perfect, that's what we love. <laughs> Great. We'll just, yeah. We'll just put an NSFW tag on it. So that, <laughs> NSFA, not safe for Adventism. I'm okay. screaming, help. <laughs> help, 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 help me. <laughs> Link twice. Our listeners will know. <laughs> um, yeah, and I actually created a shirt that says End Eurocentric Adventism. I was talking to my pastor about it, and he was like, actually, I want a shirt that says In the Use of White Jesus. Yeah, that's the shirt I've seen you in a million times, mm-hmm. and I love it, and I want one. Oh, okay, great. We can arrange something. Yes. Um, yeah, and actually, last a few months in February, I did a, a sermon on basically, uh, well, it wasn't based on the fact that Jesus wasn't white because I felt led in a different direction. Um, but I used, um, I did highlight the fact that Jesus isn't white and how that affected my journey with God is seeing him as a white man and how that caused it caused conflict, seeing God, the Godhead as only exclusively male how that caused conflict in my life and so that's also something that I've grown passionate about um embracing the Ruach Elohim that identity of God breath the feminine aspect of God um has made me be able to connect more with um God even though like I'm still like "Mm, I'm not sure about you sometimes (laughs) um Yes, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. More, most recently, I've been doing a lot of research on rape culture and rape culture in Christianity. And I've been reading, um, so, confession, I don't really read my Bible unless I'm trying to, like, rebuttal something. <laughs> so I hadn't read my Bible in, like, maybe a year-ish, kind of. I may have looked up texts online or something. But um, I was recently reading the story of Tamar, David's daughter, um, the whole experience between Bathsheba and David. And then I started to look at the the Israelite laws in Deuteronomy in regards to like relationship and women. And it just showed me how I couldn't take those laws. So my initial reaction was like, um, first of all, this is a really sucky God. Like, this is terrible. And I was like, hold on, F, take a break, <laughs> relax. And I had to say, okay, maybe like these other stories that are very terrible, this is a reflection of a very dysfunctional society. And then maybe this is like, okay, well, since y'all don't know how to act right, this is how we can better act right, although it's not ideal. Does that answer your question? No, it does. As, yeah, yeah. That's, okay, that's, great. That's part of your growth in this is is the wrestling with, and I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've wrestled with the same thing, mm-hmm. even though it's not 
obviously is like real to who I am specifically. Right. But this idea of the way that God worked within the culture mm-hmm. um, that existed. And I was like, well, why would God do like, why wouldn't God just change it? Like tell them to change it. And I'm like, yeah. well, the same reason he's not doing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is a, there is a certain level of letting the consequences of human decisions yeah. play out. And, but doing so in a way that, as much as possible, also protects people. Mm-hmm. So the example that I go to is, um, you know, the woman that that bled for twelve years and yeah. touched and reached out, touched the fringe. Okay, so the the law in Leviticus fifteen is that if someone is bleeding mm-hmm. outside of their mes- like outside of their menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. uh, you can't touch them, you can't touch anything they've touched, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But what I love about that law, the, so so that that part of that law is the reason why people were ostracized and why this woman was so ostracized. Right, no one would touch her, go near her. But at the very end of that, that same, basically that same paragraph, that same section of scripture, it also says, and the one who touches the, uh, the unclean mm-hmm. woman will only be unclean until night or mm-hmm. until they can clean. And in that same law that said don't touch because blood transferring, it, it, it's a health reason, right? Yeah. Also gave the space for someone to help and step into their situation mm-hmm. um, on a daily basis. You're only unclean until the night. Mm-hmm. And that's so, like, to me, that's so powerful that, that God was working within culture, but also leaving space to protect his people and provide a way for them to receive assistance and help yeah. um, in the midst of their struggle. Like that, that was so huge yeah. to me. Well, and what's crazy from an archaeological standpoint, you mm-hmm. know, those Levitical laws, um, especially if you, as I do, believe that they were written, mm-hmm. you know, in the time of Moses, you know, 14th yeah. century, uh, 13th century kind of a thing, um, they were the most protective of females at that time. If yeah. you read all the ancient yeah. um, understandings, you know, back then and the laws and different, you know, the the the, uh, uh, the different cultural laws, especially in that area. And yeah. The, and the, you know, the, the Fertile Crescent area. Um, they were very, you, you protect property, you protect things, uh, but women were still viewed as property mm-hmm. versus in the Levitical laws at that time. Now, for us, looking now, mm-hmm. they seem horrible and barbaric and like women are <laughs> property. But for them, it mm-hmm. was this huge step of, no, you have to treat women as people. Mm-hmm. Like they are people and you will respect them and yeah. you will take care of them and you will make sure that they're taken care of, which is why you have something yeah. as crazy as the you know the woman who was raped. Yeah. She, she has to marry her her rapist where yeah. you know we look at that and say well that's horrible but yeah. in that culture they were like no 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 this guy yeah has to make sure that she's provided for and taken care of yes well and what's even crazier about that that actually that specific thing came up uh with someone i dated because she yeah. was she was questioning god on that very point like yeah. why yes. and i tried to explain that but then she she went to an actual jewish rabbi and asked like because she was like i want to understand this from someone who Mm-hmm. Who is within that framework? Mm-hmm. And the original about, source, yeah, basically. And and <laughs> um, the rabbi basically told her, like, "Oh yeah, the girl could just say no." Yeah, it wasn't forced. She could actually just say, "Like, no, I don't want to marry him." Okay. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. She had yeah, a choice in the whole mind, thing. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> she did have a choice. The way yeah. that the law paints it, yes, is it kind of sounds has to like marry her. yeah, she has yeah. To and there's yeah. a protection element in there. Yeah. Right, because she's now, out of yeah. she's she's going to be. In mm-hmm. poverty, if like, yes, she's going to be severely disadvantaged if she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but she still has the power to say no. Yeah, and I that, didn't know that. See, right, and that yeah. completely. So there's context like, oh, here. That, okay. Yeah, there's context here that yeah we just didn't we just don't know when mm-hmm. we look through about, the lens yeah. of our yeah. culture. I'm like, why did you say that, Bible? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's almost like the the Bible was written by people. Yeah, 
That's well, crazy. I'm not gonna, <laughs> that's, that's wild. But, but to me, I think that's also that understanding of like, they were like, for instance, they were talking about these laws about the stoning, right? If a woman has caught an adultery, they stone mm-hmm. her and they go, that was very rarely actually done. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to think of it like, oh, that happened all the time because you have these instances of these Pharisees coming up to Jesus and trying to be, you know, super strict on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're saying like, no, that was like a message. Like that only happened rarely because it was like, all right, this is a problem. We got to make sure, you know what I mean? Most yeah. of the time it's like, don't do, you know, yeah. they would provide punishment, but that was like the extreme one. Mm-hmm. And it was very rarely that, that was done. And it's like, it gives such a less harsh understanding when you begin to understand like, okay, not only were, were these the most protective laws of women, but like they didn't treat women in the way that that law would make it think. Cause you are saying like, that's a worst case scenario. Yeah. Like when they were on their best behavior, like you didn't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. You, know, you didn't have to worry about like, all right, well I think we stone you twice. Is it twice that we stone you now? It's like, <laughs> Hey, go pay a penance. Like go, you know, make mm-hmm. a sacrifice. Don't do this anymore. Like you're a good mm-hmm. person. We understand that. Yeah. Mm, that's huge. Wow. Um, so I want to, I don't know if you have any other thoughts here. Uh, not off the top of my head. I want to make sure. Um, the, so I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit because there's something that, that Tony and I have actually talked about before Mm -hmm. on, on this podcast when Michael Polite first released the Advanced Revolution videos. Yes. And we actually were kind of critical of like, so we're fans of the movement as a whole. Yeah. But we were critical of some of the language and, and, and things in the actual videos when they first released. We were, mm-hmm. we were like, that probably wasn't the best way to say that, but mm-hmm. I get like the spirit of yeah, what like you're this saying. Is like, really yeah, like we disagree. Kind there's of, a whole yeah. episode on it. So yeah. it's easy to hear that episode and think we're like against it. We're not. Yeah. But, what I, but the other thing is it's e- easy to hear that episode and think we never interacted with it again. Um, you were someone who, you attended I Zeal, did. correct? So, I did. And, and, and you, are, you were plugged in with a lot of those guys mm-hmm. um, and girls. Yeah. So like... Kind of walk us through from your perspective um, how Adventist Revolution has been, what, like what that experience has been for you mm-hmm. um, and how that has kind of, even within the framework of what we've talked about today, like, yeah. like what, is, what, is that, what has that movement meant for you? Um, so that has made me feel like there is a place for me in Adventism because um, I know one of the, Chap is going to kill me for this because he's so huge on like mission statements and all of that. But I know that it is supposed to be a place for unconventional and non-traditional Adventist-ish, in a way, bubble kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paraphrase. Very concise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and so that has um, I, that has a really special place in my heart. And so when I got to Tenzil, I was super excited. Um, one of my favorite people who were there, um, uh, John something Labrador. No. Ooh. Anyway, he is, you're good. Don't (laughs) worry. I do it all the time. You're fine. His initials are like JL or something. Um, but he was an Adventist and he actually started the first non-denominational Sabbath keeping church. And this was the first time, Zeal was the first time he was ever invited back into an Adventist space. So he was really hesitant about all of that. And he kind of just, he did an interview with Chaplain Polite and he told us about his journey. And that joint stuck me right here on the throat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to cry. Um, but his testimony was so powerful because he was talking about how within Adventism, he had struggled so much in trying to create change and spaces for the people he wanted to minister to. And that was not allowed and so that's why he went and he created this space for non-traditional well 
it's not for Adventists actually, it's non-denominational at this point, but that was, his testimony was so powerful and I, it struck me like right here in the heart and then just hearing people embracing the LGBTQIA plus community because I feel like a lot of times, especially like in church culture, we're not very mindful of the language that we use and how it can exclude people. Like we're not saying that we're better people, but it's just even in the little things that we say and how we say, um, maybe when we're talking about like relationships, we choose only to talk about heterosexual relationships. And I'm not, I guess I have fine. Go whatever, go down whatever road you want to go. You are, you are safe. Um, and I, I don't know. I just feel like there are a lot of LGBTQIA plus members who contribute to our church and who pour so much into our community and we don't give them a space. Like we're t- having about conversations about like, how should we address the LGBTQIA plus issue? Like where are they at the table with you having this conversation? No, they're not. You're a bunch of heterosexual people having this conversation. Like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. It's like a bunch of white people talking about black issues and how to address black issues. Incorrect. No, that's not a thing. I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, about, about zeal and oh, being yes. able to come together, yeah. Yeah, so I think I'm done. Trust me, my, my brain does tangents like that all the time. So yeah. I, I'm very practiced. To, here's where the, let's follow the tracks back and discover where the, we left the choo-choo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I think that's all I have to say for now, unless you have a question. No, 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 that no, no. That's, mm-hmm. that's totally fu- that That's important, the fact that there's space for you. And I think with, especially with LGBTQIA+, I, th- I think it's ridiculous for us not to give a space to them. I think I think not giving a space, or giving a space to LGBTQIA+, people in the church, mm-hmm. regardless of how we view any mm-hmm. of the practice of, of any of that attraction or yeah. alternate, yeah, um, I think it can't hurt us. Because yeah. if you are someone that believes that all of that is sinful, and mm-hmm. um, then if someone is a practicing Christian and mm-hmm. wants to study the Bible, and mm-hmm. God will convict them of it, right? Like at some point, you'll be proven right <laughs> mm-hmm. that um, if if that's the case, yeah. And if it's not the case, or it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, you're giving people a space who are mm-hmm. wanting to contribute and be a part, and yeah. you're let, you're allowing them to grow in their natural relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. If they're not going to listen to you, mm-hmm. then maybe they'll listen to God. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you believe that that's what God is saying, mm-hmm. like there's so I'm I'm talking specifically from that that harsh mindset from yeah. from that side, yeah. right? There there is no lose in my mind mm-hmm. for giving space yeah. to that that group in our church, and I think well, I I think there is a lose, and I think it's it's when you prevent somebody from being able to access God. You know, well, no, it's like the yeah. whole thing. There's a lose if you don't allow if them space. If you don't space. do that. Yeah, exactly. Correct. I'm saying there's yeah, no yeah. lose if you oh, do if you allow do them, them space. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I mean, I think we worry so much about compromise. Sometimes we forget yeah. that compromise isn't always a bad thing. I think you compromise. You, you have to compromise your understanding a lot. Um, that's part of change. That's part of understanding is being able to say, all right, I might not believe that we can play, I don't know, whatever, dubstep in church. But you know what? All mm-hmm. right. This might not be my style. This might not be what I like. But I'm going to try and, and compromise a little mm-hmm. bit and, and see where that goes. Um, very rarely does that actually change your beliefs. Yeah. And and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But to me, I look and, and I say the only time that Jesus ever got straight up furious mm-hmm. that we have in Scripture is when people were he comes into the city and the people cry out Hosanna. And that word means rescue us. Yeah. And Jesus says, let us go to the place where we can find, you know, rescue and redemption in the temple. And the people are barred from accessing God. Those who are on the outside sinners, quote unquote, 
are uh, uh, restricted from being able to access mm-hmm. God, and Jesus goes crazy, and and is like, this is a house of prayer. This is a house of connection to God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm with you not only on creating a space. But we need to go and be more proactive in finding those who yeah. have been ostracized. Yes. Right. Where are the Where are the 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 adulterers and the sailors and the fishermen and the tax collectors mm-hmm. in our community? That the the people that Jesus went out and said, "Do you want to follow me? Do you want to follow me? Do you want to follow me?" Mm-hmm. Um, not every single prostitute chose to follow Jesus, but Mary Magdalene did, and it changed her life. Yeah, but if we're not going out, we're we're missing well, out on all the Mary Magdalene's and the and the Matthews. That's one of the things I realized. I was I was doing a I was doing a study prepping a sermon for. I was trying to find an explanation for why we don't see miracles in the same kind of way that we see them in the Bible. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of reasons. A, the Bible is a condensed like you know all those stories happen back to back, so it seems like they happen much there more were frequently. Like periods of hundreds of years yeah, where but we never saw it. I think um, one of the things I found out was a common thread of every single miracle I looked at was that. I'll take the uh, the the beggar in Acts three that Peter and uh, and I think Jay- John okay Peter and John walk by the beggar outside the temple every mm-hmm. day this guy would be set out outside the gate called beautiful mm-hmm. um, and one day and he would beg for money and money uh, Peter and John were walking by him and he and he asked them do you have anything and they said I, I have nothing I can't offer you money but I can't off- I have something I can offer you mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth stand up and walk. Mm-hmm. And so he stands up and walks, and everyone stops reading there, and they go, "Why can't that be me? Why can't I be the one that's healed?" Mm-hmm. And what I realize is the miracle didn't stop there. The Come miracle on, wasn't the healing. Mm-hmm. The I love this. The miracle <laughs> was where <laughs> exactly immediately what happened afterwards. It says he got up mm-hmm. and he followed them into the temple. The miracle that they gave him wasn't that he could walk; it mm-hmm. was that now he had access to God. And every single healing mm-hmm. was about access to God. Every on, miracle was about access to God. So the reason I realize that like a lot of healing miracles or, or those kind of things don't seem to happen now is because we have access to God through Jesus. The miracle of access to God has already taken place. Hey, hey. I don't think I don't yeah, like I don't like, think anyone who comes in a wheelchair, we're like, oh, clearly God has cursed you. Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't feel that way anymore. Like, yeah, we've been given access to God, and it's about stepping into that reality. The health miracles mm-hmm. were simply a means to an end, not mm-hmm. the end themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that, like, oh, well, then why are there still healing miracles? Like, there still are, and I don't speak for God on every single decision he makes. Yeah. But that was huge for me is, so why are we barring access to God from anyone, mm-hmm. and who are we to think that we can't? Yeah. Like, that that was a huge revelation for me. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, so, yes, I resonate powerfully with yeah. that. And I think I think we do need to do a better job yeah. of giving space to people um, to uh, have an encounter with Jesus. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, anyone that's questioning, you know, yeah. anyone that feels like they're on the outside. Mm-hmm. Touch your neighbor, like say access. Yes. Touch a neighbor, say access. <laughs> we have we have, a, we have our first live reach. audience in the room. Yeah, we have two we of our actually, friends in the room. If you've heard laughter in the spirited. background. Yeah. So I'm reaching over. Access. There we go. We did it. Um, Spiritually reaching uh, the floor. We also can't reach the people that are in the room. Um, so there's one more thing I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a protest that happened recently. Oh, yes, there was. Um, it was it was a very loud protest. See what I did there? A very loud protest. Didn't. Uh, because it wasn't loud. It was loud on social media and like online, but mm-hmm. it was very quiet, actually. And mm-hmm. so um, walk us through. Mm-hmm. You know what? Never protest, do stand up comedy. Um, it, I wanna, walk us through, please. Yes. Um, the stand up comedy is prepared. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. That was off the cuff. Yeah. Um, walk us through that protest. Um, I don't even want to give intro for it. I want mm-hmm. you to just tell us from. Someone asked you like, "What?" I saw a picture of you standing in a line. Mm-hmm. What? What yes. happened? Yes. 
Okay, so um, I was minding my business. <laughs> I really was. And I got a text from a friend, um, and it was the email that the university has sent out about, I call him Uncle Teddy, that Uncle Teddy was coming to the university to have a conversation. Ted Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uncle Teddy, I love it. <laughs> yes. Uh, he was. We're calling him Uncle Teddy from now on, Tony. I still work. For the church, so I can't do that. Call, I call you can Teddy? call him Uncle Teddy. Yeah, I work Uncle for the church. You can call him Uncle Teddy. I work Teddy. for the church. No, you don't. You work for Southern. That's Southern. What? <laughs> what? I just I had lay, to tell you. I, I also lay pastor at church. So he's coming yes, to talk. So Uncle yeah. Teddy's coming to town. So he's coming to town. <laughs> Uncle Teddy's coming to town. He's got a list <laughs> and he's checking it twice. He really was. He really was, though. Okay. Yes, exactly. Listen. Anyway. So I was like, all right, we got to turn up. Okay, so it wasn't like we got to, okay, yeah, I'm giving you the raw version. I'm like, yo, we got to do something, like, because we know what this is about. Like, everything that happened with the... The compliance stuff? Yes, the compliance document, like, watching it, and then the fact that I'm pretty sure he's heard of Adventist Revolution, although this is not connected. I want to make sure that's very clear, and Adventist Revolution people are like, make sure that it's clear this is not an Adventist Revolution This is part of why I wanted you to bring this this up, so thank you for making that clarification. Great, yes. This is a group of students who were dissatisfied with how things were going. So at Andrews, whenever something goes, whenever something happens, we have authentic conversations. So when the whole it is time AU happened, I don't know if you guys saw that. Okay, great. Everyone saw it. (laughs) Like we had to take a step back and have conversations. So the fact that we were not given that space, like you're coming here to talk to students, but you're here to talk to us and you're not willing to Number one, receive our questions, but then because the university is like, no, this is not going to work. Now you're receiving questions pre pre um, pre screened pre screened questions. Um, we have a problem with that. Um, so we had an original um, protest in mind, and that was going to be more vocal. However, with discussions with um, mentors and all of that we realized that that wasn't the direction that we needed to go in and being 100% honest I was shattered um that was like like I've had breakups before but I I weeped (laughs) I wept about this whole situation because I felt like I had lost because we had to take into consideration how people were going to perceive this how effective we wanted to be all of these all of these things which we had considered but now we're being told maybe this isn't the best option for you. And so my heart was set on it. Like I had to muster up courage to be like, all right, I'm going to do this. And now this is not happening. Mm. Um, So I, I cried for like three hours. Like, Mm. like there was the moment when I was crying for like 15 minutes, really hard. And then like throughout the span of me, you know, going home and all of that, I'm like crying every once in a while. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so um, Please tell me that is actually how you cry. <laughs> right, no, no. But that is, that's a big emotional thing, like to get yourself geared up to yeah. do this. Like yeah. that takes a lot. Yes. Um, so understand, like totally yeah. valid. If you'd cried for three days. Valid. Yeah. I don't. You're good. Thank you. I received that. Typical morning period was like three to seven. So you're yeah. good. You're right in that. You're Eight right in days that. though. We're gonna have a talk. Then it's uh, right, okay. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. So so continue. What mm-hmm. happened next? So then we had to come back. Um. Uh. The student leadership, quote unquote. Um. Those of us who wanted to do something, we scratched whatever's on the board. Whatever that phrase is, we 
cleared the slate and we're like, okay, we have to brainstorm again. We know what we're not going to do and we know um, that this is not what we can do. So what can we do? And so Sarah Hill came up with this brilliant idea. She's like, why don't we take a mic stand and take a mic, take it to the the front of the, the church and just stand there in silent protest. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's a brilliant idea. That's so powerful. <laughs> like we're all losing our minds. We're like, oh my God. Yeah. So that's essentially what we decided to do. We got a mic stand, a microphone that we borrowed from somewhere, which I will not disclose. So, <laughs> And uh, um, yeah, that's all we had. And so we all were like, all right. So it was... Um, it was my idea to have like a little formation because they're like, how are we going to do this without them finding out and escorting us out? Because we're like trying to think of like the worst case scenario. So I was like, all right, we're going to have a formation. So like two people are going to go in and then like as you get get. I'm not describing this well with words, but as we get closer to the center, like you split and then the person holding the mic and the mic stand will like launch in front and then it'll be like mm. a little triangle thing and then we'll form a line. Does gotcha. that? Yes, it makes sense. Okay, yep. great. I hope yeah. the so listeners can. So you had two people can... lead in and kind of hide. Yes. The first guy. Yes. The, the, the guy with the mic. Yeah. And then they split. Yep. He steps out in between them yep. and reveals like this is what we're doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm having flashbacks to like the basketball like plays we would have when we would inbound the ball. <laughs> like, all right, we got to set a screen and then like when you break that, yeah, it's yes. like. You gotta yes. have a, a pick and pop, and then when that happens, you guys can mm-hmm. break to the outside. We'll hit yes. you on the wing. So yeah, so we picked the two tallest people, and Chris happened to be the shorter person, which is okay. We love short people. Um, maybe he's okay. Uh, sorry, Chris. <laughs> I hope he listens to this. I have no idea if he listens, I'm, but I am texting him I'm after g- this. Hey, you, you got a shout got out. You got an awesome <laughs> stay shout with out. it. Stay with it. It's yeah. towards the end, but you got to yeah. stay there. Um, yeah, so the two tallest people went in. It was Sarah and Al Wayne, and then Chris, like, bro- they broke off, and Chris went in, and that was the plan. And so we had International Sabbath at our church, so we're like, okay, well, we got to make sure, like, everything's good and we're cleaned up. So I'm actually telling you the story now, but it's okay. Um, so, like, everyone's like, okay, we're all wearing black. Like, I'm super excited. I have this bandana on my arm because I'm super gangsta. Not really. I'm Adventist, but it's Okay. <laughs> Um, and so like four o'clock rolls around and that's when the presentation has started. My heart's racing. We're listening to like turn up music in the car. We're trying to get pumped up because, you know, we're Adventists and we don't really protest. So this is like our first organized protest from like grassroots or whatever, if you want to call it that or whatever. Um, and so like around 4.15, we roll up to church and we're all dispersed and we're like, okay, yeah, we split up. Like you're sitting in different areas. And when the time comes, that's when we like pull up on Uncle Ted, on, on Uncle Teddy. I, I also, love this. I love <laughs> so, this so much. So um, we're sitting, I'm sitting with like two other friends. My heart's pounding and I'm like, you know, I'm looking around and I'm like checking the scene and I'm listening and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what is what is being said on stage right now? I roll to the back of my head. Um, and then I see Alwyn and Sarah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's happening. It's okay. <laughs> so they're, like, walking on stage. And I'm the first person to get up from the audience. And then that's when other people are like, all right, so this is happening. And so as we're walking to the front of the stage, I see... President Luxton and Uncle Teddy's face changed. They're like, oh, my God. Like, there's black students pulling up. Like, oh, what is this? Like, you could see, like. The- you can, no, you can. If you watch the you, like, you yes. can tell the moment because all of a sudden it's just like, 
like it just you can yeah. their countenance change. And, and, yeah. and they're trying sense. to figure out like what's about to happen. Yes. Like they're, they go into administrator damage control mode. Yes. Like yes. you can see blood rushing to their faces and they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and so at one point someone gets up and tries to talk to um, Chris and, you know, I don't really know what was said, but we stood standing. And so he's talking and we're listening to what he's saying. And it's really rough. Like we're like you're looking at us dead ass in the face and you're saying all of these things. And it got to the point where even um, President Luxon acknowledged our presence there, which um, which was good, which is good, I think. Right. It's better than to ignore. I mean, it wasn't yeah. the acknowledgement that you were probably kind of yeah. hoping for. Yeah. But it was something to say, like, yes, I see that yeah. you're here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we were acknowledged, which we we did appreciate. And then Uncle Teddy didn't acknowledge us at all. So we're like, that's very obvious and clear. Whatever. So then we had a debrief afterwards. And we were kind of like, some of us, um, I know there was a girl who was like, what's going to happen to me now? Like, am I going to get kicked out of school? It's like, it's okay, sis. This is our right as students. Um, and all of that. But something that I also want to make super clear is like we're not protesting an individual. We're protesting an institution. And the way that some the, the method of how it how um, us addressing, quote unquote, unity and quote unquote mission was done. Like we were not given a space the to method. have a conversation. Yeah, the method. Yeah. yeah, we were not given a platform to have a conversation and to really have a space where we're all feeling like. You know, we can talk about this and and figure it out. Well, because it, I mean, we've talked about it a few times. It, it's the perception. It comes yeah. across like I'm going to tell you guys how it is. Yes. And then, regardless of whether or not those were authentic questions, you can. To me, I I in my head, I'm always such a cynic. I question the authenticity. I'm like, oh, well, how easy is it to mm-hmm. say? Oh no, Gary S from wherever you know mm-hmm. wrote this this question. Sure, he did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the testimonials you see in the newspaper, like, uh-huh, yeah, this is the best cleaner I've ever used. And then, mm-hmm. you know, three weeks later, you find out it gives you all of the cancer and mm-hmm. it's been horrible. Yeah. And that, those were fake testimonials. And it's like it, it gives that it gives a a perception of a lack of authenticity and and not propaganda per se, but like this isn't a conversation. I'm mm-hmm. telling you how it is. Yeah. Well, and this is I think I think Ted in that moment missed a huge opportunity. So mm-hmm. I know this for reasons I can't share yeah but i know ted to be uh, a gc president who will let you sit in a room with him Mm -hmm. and just rail on him about how much you disagree with what he's doing yeah he will listen Mm -hmm. um to you like straight out disagree with his decisions his leadership all Mm -hmm. of it it may not change his mind yeah but he will give you the opportunity to speak like he's done it in private many times Mm -hmm. and i feel like he missed an opportunity to just let it happen in a in a public setting to mm-hmm. say, hey, I see you. Mm-hmm. Talk to me mm-hmm. and just let it happen. Mm-hmm. And I get that that may have alienated a different kind of base. Yeah. But it would have gone just optically. I feel yeah. like it would have gone miles for him to just let you speak. Yeah. Even if it didn't change his mind, like just the idea that that like he would have let you speak and mm-hmm. share. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I do understand from the perspective of a leader saying, like, I don't know what they're going to say. Yeah. And there's a little bit of saving. Like, there's a little bit of public yeah. PR, public relations. I have to like, I don't know what mm-hmm. their message is. So I have to be careful. But yeah, I do think he missed an opportunity to show a different side of him mm-hmm. that would have, I think, cleared up a lot of mischaracterization that happens of his character and, and, mm-hmm. and who he is. Um, 
Because again, it wasn't about the person. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know I mean, like the point is important. The point is like, if you're gonna have a conversation, have a conversation. Yeah. Like one of my pet peeves is the 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 semblance of power without the substance of it. Right. It's like to me, I I hate essay. Like I got to be careful saying that because I have friends who are in graduate student essay. But I I personally I would never run for essay because to me it feels like, okay, we're gonna give you a title, but you can't actually make a difference. Right. Right. I yeah. can't actually make a change in what happens. I don't de- I don't decide policy. I'm not sitting in there. All I can do is field complaints and then say, here's a party. Yay, everybody have food. Mm-hmm. You know. And to me it felt very much like Romans, you know, just distract the plebs while we, you know, wise old ones get together. Mm-hmm. And it just comes across that way, right? When when you don't have it, it just comes across like you're not willing to give us that type of power or responsibility. Yeah. You're not willing to trust us that we're going to come up and ask you relevant questions and be authentic with ourselves mm-hmm. and and not attack you. And to take that chance because someone might have gone off, come up and mm-hmm. gone off on the person and just say, hey, you know what? This isn't the time or place for that. Yeah. Um, That's what's funny. I think if if someone from that group, mm-hmm. and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but this is, this is an assumption I'm just mm-hmm. going to make. I feel like if someone in that group had been vocally inappropriate mm-hmm. in that moment, had Ted gone, Hey, what do you, what's going on here? Like, mm-hmm. like, talk to me. If someone had been appropriate, I feel like your group would have shut that person down if they had been vocally inappropriate. Like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. you literally, or <laughs> like, yeah, you would. Like, I feel like you would have, you would have, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you would have done the policing for him because yeah. you know what's at stake in what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, and and so, I, like, I I do think that was a misstep on his. Like, that's that's the that's the way that I can say it. I mm-hmm. think well, is, it came is, ac- it came across that way. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. um, so thank you for giving us kind of an insight to that. I think that that may have cleared mm-hmm. up a lot of questions that people did have about that protest too. I know we're yeah. talking about it way later, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's important to 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 kind of hash these out and clear these things up. But mm-hmm. um, as we're winding down, um, Ev, I want to give you just kind of final words here. Um, what is the most important thing you want others to know about? the things that are important to you. Mm-hmm. Like what is the one thing you really want people to leave with that if you had a moment, everyone's ears are, are listening. Like what do you want them to know? No pressure. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No pressure, no pressure at all. As I... Now that you said no pressure, there's pressure. And she, I don't even know if she was on that page. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, we don't have that many listeners. Don't worry. It's just like 6,000. No, it's not that many. Don't Help. worry. Um, Something that I have recently learned is, uh, I'm just going to word vomit and see, maybe. You're good. I asked you this on the spot. You're fine. We'll sift something out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So a lot of the things that I am passionate about require confrontation. And that is something that I have had to learn to grow out of, still am learning, and I think that is something that is very prevalent in Adventist culture because we like to, quote, keep the peace, end quote. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is, we have to be kind and loving to each other. And the only people who have authority to tell us what's up are, like, pastors or, you know, certain people who, I don't understand yeah. it, but whatever. Um, so I have, I want, like, there is a, I still struggle with the fear of confronting, you know, these issues when it does come to, like, maybe even in a public setting, but more importantly, when it comes to interpersonal relationship, I have learned the value of this too. Like there are times when you're going to have to check your friend because what they're doing is either not good for them or is perpetuating a social injustice. And so that's when you have to like sit down and have that conversation. And it is scary as heck. Um, Mm. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I confrontation mm-hmm. is certainly a part of true Christian love. 100%. Yeah. And I, and I do think we've missed, I mm-hmm. agree a hundred percent with you. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Like this has been incredible. I love this oh, conversation. Yeah. Um, and Tony's nodding his head, so I'm going to assume that he loved it, too. Uh, uh, that was an, a reflex. I've hated all of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just involuntary. It's, it's just involuntary. a tick. I have it. just a nervous <laughs> tick that he has. Um, Help. Yeah. We're going to uh, have to talk about <laughs> Tony, ableism now. T- Tony, <laughs> Tony doesn't... Um, Tony doesn't know how to be normal when there's a woman in the room. I uh, know. That is, that is a true statement. I mean, neither uh, do that I. That is a real neither true statement. So we're good. Um, I was yeah. homeschooled. <laughs> okay, so one of our one of our guests there just said, I can't see a difference. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so. now, Ev, thank you so much for coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been a fantastic time. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you. Um, and Turn up. We'll be praying for you. Uh, as you continue your journey, mm-hmm. um, especially navigating some of the tensions that you're facing here mm-hmm. um, and that you've shared here. So thank you for your vulnerability, your yeah. honesty. Like that's what I hope for on this show. And it means the world when, when someone is willing to be that kind of honest and vulnerable. Um, so thank you. Uh, and to our listeners, uh, if you want more of absurdity or you want to uh, subscribe, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, mm-hmm. anywhere you can find podcasts really. And if you're on iTunes, please leave a review and a rating that helps us out with visibility and tells us where we are. Right. If you don't like us and you give us a one star, that tells me there's something I may or may not need to fix. Um, so Facts. help us out and communicate with us. But uh, mm-hmm. um, all of our contact infos in the show notes. You can find some more uh, of, of uh, some of Ev's work, uh, like the poem she mentioned, also in our show notes as well. So uh, just thank you guys so much for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.